This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. I'm John Bateman, and this is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found on most popular platforms and at anxietycanada.com. Kelly Rudy is a former National Hockey League goaltender. He is a current broadcaster with Sportsnet as an analyst for Hockey Night in Canada and the Calgary Flames as a commentator. He is also a mental health advocate and champion for Anxiety Canada. Hey, Kelly. Hey, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. And, me too. Uh, me too. Yeah, right. And yeah. Uh, we have a nice chat about mental health. And it's, I just find it so uh, exciting, John. We're at this point in uh, our lives that uh, two grown men can have a chat about mental health. And, you know, this would not have been possible or people wouldn't have thought uh, likely, you know, 10 years ago or yeah. certainly 25 years ago, people would have suffered um, both men and women boys and girls and in silence and not really had any help. So this is a, a real good step uh, moving forward. Definitely have to look at all those, you know, benchmarks that we've been reaching. Uh, and, you know, it's important for people to speak out and we'll discuss that in a little bit. Uh, I always sure. start the the podcast with asking uh, my guest what your anxiety story is. Okay. So ours is kind of a long family story. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know there's mental health really in our family but again, I'm sure there was, but it wasn't really discussed much. But uh, our youngest daughter, uh, Caitlin, when she was 12, she was diagnosed in the summer of 2005 with anxiety and OCD. Uh, I, I would say about a year before that, we started to notice uh, signs that Caitlin was going through something. Um, unfortunately, my wife and I, Donna, uh, didn't put all the signs together. We thought that perhaps they were quirky little habits, right, for uh, uh, a young girl. Um, unfortunately for her, uh, the summer of 2005, her life became unmanageable. And that fall when she was uh, about to go to school for the first day, she couldn't get out of the car. Um, so my wife said something like, if only Kelly, you could have seen the look of sheer terror on her face. And so uh, we knew at that point that we needed to go get Caitlin some help. We did. She saw a psychologist and con- continues to see a psychologist here in Calgary for the, the help she needs. Uh, she's 28 years old now, uh, John, and I can tell you that she's made great progress. She's had some highs and lows and ups and downs and relapses, uh, if you want to use that word. Uh, but uh, and then for my own case, I, I sort of really started to understand what was going on with Kate and as you can imagine, as a parent, we did all the breathing. We did all the uh, things that we needed to do with her. Right. My wife and I uh, sat in every once in a while with Caitlin and her psychologist to learn more about it from our end, what we can do and how we can be helpful. Uh, and so I, I think I had a bit of a grasp about what anxiety might feel like or look like, you know, just sort of like a, an outsider. But then looking back, in 1992, the summer of 1992, John, I was entering my 10th year in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. And I had all these thoughts, which I don't think are completely irrational. They were thoughts that were giving me all sorts of doubt. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, I know you're a big hockey fan. The, yep. the average career is about three and a half years. And I was entering, my, I think, my 10th year in the league. 
And so it wouldn't be irrational to think that at some point this might come to an end, right? And yeah. But those thoughts grew louder and louder throughout the summer and especially in training camp and then at the beginning of the season. Strangely enough, I actually got off to a really good start. My, me and my teammates had a really good start that year, but the thoughts became louder and louder and I had no idea what the loop was and I had no idea how to stop these thoughts uh, and then at some point in late November, early December, we played a neutral site game, which they don't have anymore. But in this case, it was in Milwaukee. And I just, I call it, I had an episode the night before the game, but uh, I was just really confused about what was going on, confused about the thoughts in my head. Um, but I didn't know it was related to mental health, right? You know, back then, uh, I wouldn't think many athletes and not a lot of men were talking about what they were feeling or what they were going through mentally. And so basically I, I suffered on and uh, I got into a really bad place. Uh, I was in a ditch for almost two months during the season. I was playing horribly. Uh, and luckily for me, John, uh, my head coach, Barry Melrose, recognized something was wrong with me. Uh, I think if I can say this about myself, uh, effort was never a problem, right? Like I, I gave my best all the time and I, I really felt uh, mentally and physically engaged in every game I played. And maybe I wasn't very good some games, but it wasn't because of effort. Uh, so Barry reached out to me, which I'm forever indebted for. And uh, he got me the help I needed. Luckily, I was, uh, you know, kind of spoiled. I was able to see a guy by the name of Tony Robbins one-on-one. -on -one, and so he wow. Yeah, familiar with Tony. And so it was life-changing for me. And I was able to, he gave me the tools and I was able to get through it. And uh, and I was sort of, for the most part, John, able to get through the rest of my life until two summers ago without really experiencing anything like that again. Now, I certainly wouldn't say I wasn't anxious at times because we all are at times. And of I think, course, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a normal thing, right? So um but in the summer of 2019, I started to have these thoughts again, and I didn't really know where they were going, and I didn't know how loud they might become. But uh, in October of that same year, uh, at the start of the NHL season, our broadcasting schedule, the thoughts became louder and louder and very similar to what they were in 1992-93. Um, I stupidly waited too long to go see somebody again and I sort of suffered through for most of that hockey season including the the pandemic and then the restart for the NHL season but I'm happy to say about a year ago now I've been seeing somebody professionally and it's really made a drastic uh change in my life again and I'm uh, doing much much better not not to tell you that I'm doing great all the time but I'm in such a better place, and I highly recommend, if you can, to to see somebody because it it was a game changer for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm curious because what you're talking about are what are known as ants, sometimes automatic negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, um, the, I get there is a connection to OCD with those kind of thoughts. I have them myself. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that there is a genetic component because uh, Caitlin obviously suffered with that. Um, mm -hmm. What I think is interesting is, you, you know, you're a goaltender um, and goaltenders are kind of known for their rituals, for kind of being, you know, for lack of a better term, OCD. Uh, sure. Do you feel like that you, did, did you have that kind of, you know, ritualistic thing going on when while you were playing? 
Not really. Um, and But I totally agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had what uh, I would think were superstitions early on in my career. And yet, uh, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest reliefs, in fact, in my early playing days, I was going through what I, again, we're going to call my superstitions, where I would line up my goalie sticks uh, prior to the game, you know, before I'm getting ready, before I'm getting dressed. And I'd, I'd tape them up in a particular way and I'd put them on a wall and uh, I would prefer if nobody touched them. Right. That was mm-hmm. that was my spot to put my goalie sticks that were uh, taped and ready to go for the game. And I always had three. And uh, one day we're in Washington and uh, the young stick boy, you know, he's just a local kid. Right. And he volunteers his time to be your stick boy for the visiting team. And it's a real cool thing. It's been a tradition in the national hockey league for a long, long time. It's really cool. And so anyways, this young boy grabbed my sticks and he was going to put them on the stick rack. And I may have uh, barked at him or something. Um, and Dennis Potman stopped me quickly and said, Kelly, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something like Kelly, if that's going to throw you off, you've got bigger problems, right? Like the, the young boy moving your sticks has no bearing on the outcome of the game. And it was, it was cool. And I, I took that advice. And so I would have to say that for the most part, I got rid of what I called were my superstitions. I still had a few routines, mm-hmm. but those became more a part of my life when I retired, John. And, and my kids laugh at me like, you know, when we would go on family vacations and if we were there for more than a night, I'd get my uh, uh, hand towel uh, face cloth and I'd put it in the bathroom in a particular way. And all my toiletries had to be lined up in a particular way again, always the same way. And it it, it was comforting for me to be on the road and see that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's, I think there's a fine line, right? There's a fine line between, you know, being out of your comfort zone and, and having little things that make you comfortable. Right. Um, You know, and, you know, obsessing, I, I'd like to double back to, to when you first started noticing uh, stuff in Caitlin, um, what, what kind of things, what, what was she exhibiting that, you know, that made it stand out that there was something wrong? Okay. Well, uh, a number of years ago, we partnered with a, a big bank in Canada and they had a initiative, know the signs. And I think they uh, had identified five different signs uh, to look out for. And uh, the the day before this program launched, my wife and I uh, had a conversation because I was on the road. And I think we identified 13 little habits that she had that were uh, in what we identified later as uh, things uh, uh, related to OCD and Mm -hmm. and, uh, everything. And so the number one thing that she had uh, was she was uh, afraid of disease and dying and Still to this day, she wakes up with those thoughts, but again, of course, she has the tools to help her get through the day and understand that those are irrational thoughts and or if she is to get a disease uh, rationally, um, what will you do about it? You know, you can go see a doctor, you have all these other things. So, but she was blinking her eyes. I don't know if you can see me, but blinking her eyes randomly. Kind of one eye in the other eye. All the time. And that was to stop her from going blind. She thought that she was going blind. And then also John, she, it was really hard for her to leave uh, our side more. So her mom though, she was really getting attached to her mom. Again, she felt, she explained to us later, that uh, she found that uh, if she was closer to us, uh, that she in her head, least likely to get sick again. So 
And then she, she started doing the regular things, begging off her friends, not going to sleepovers, not eating as well. All these things that uh, when we look back upon, uh, yeah, we should have known, we should have put the whole package together and understood that she had some health, uh, mental health issues. Uh, I I have to say though, as a parent, John, I don't uh, have any, I don't, beat myself up over that. I didn't know that trouble was lurking. I didn't know what to look out for. We hadn't had that in our family. So it wasn't something that was top of mind about why is Caitlin behaving this way? Or why is she saying that she doesn't want to go to the sleepover when she loves sleepovers with her friend? She didn't want to go to dance and dance was a huge part of her life. Right. And so we, we saw a whole bunch of different signs. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, a lot of the signs that get exhibited are what you're talking about with kids is kind of that going quiet in that, you know, mm-hmm. retracting themselves from society, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, um, yeah. you know, avoiding social situations. It's, totally. it's very common. Um, and, uh, and, and so for her, did she experience, you know, physical uh, and you, I guess, did you know, how do you experience anxiety physically? Mm-hmm. What does it feel like? Yes. So for sure, for her, she did. She uh, started to have migraines. Um, She definitely said that uh, her stomach was upset a lot. She, you know, the, again, we were to find out later her panic attacks that uh, I didn't understand much about back then and how they literally make you feel like you are having a heart attack. So, um, and for me, it was, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know if I really felt it physically as much. I, you know, I think this past year I had one, two or three week stretch where it was getting that way for me, but it was just, for me, it was just, uh, this is hard to say when you're on national television, but I was afraid to go on TV and, you know, that's, that's not a good place to be when that is your job. And that's, (laughs) that's kind of what you have to do. And so, so so tell me once, once you got once, but you obviously pushed yourself to, go on TV. I did. And and once you did, you know, once you pushed that, how did you feel while you, while you were, you know, while the cameras were rolling? Right. Um, I I felt better as the night went on. Uh, the, the pregame show for whatever reason was the one that was giving me the biggest, uh, uh, heartache or hardship. And, uh, once I got through that, I found it to the night to be, uh, better, but, uh, you know, after seeing somebody understanding about it and talking about it, I, I learned a lot about it. And frankly, I was, I was, uh, almost like in 1992, 93 being way too hard on myself too. I know that's a, something a lot of people can relate to that, you know, instead of giving yourself a little bit of credit, I was always looking for faults and, uh, I was actually really good at it. <laughs> so yeah. that's a good place to be. And so instead of looking at a broadcast and it's live television, right? You're going to make lots of mistakes and it's how it sort of, you handle them and how you move on. And, and so in, at the end of the night, I wasn't often praising myself for, Oh, that was a good show tonight. I beat myself up about the littlest things that I suspect most people at home didn't even notice or didn't even care about. Right. And so I was able to, after getting the help I needed to truly understand that, to enjoy it again. And, uh, I remember one of the lines that, to my person helped me said something about you deserve this success. And so by the way, off camera, while I was working in the last uh, two hockey seasons, since the pandemic, uh, I had a little cue card and I had a number of little, 
sayings or um, key words for me to keep looking at during the broadcast to help me through. And, and it was funny because I remember, John, this was a really big moment for me. Mm. So I doubt many people would have uh, seen this little clip, uh, hit that we did, this little clip with Rick Ball and I, uh, after a Flames broadcast, typically after the broadcast, Sportsnet asks you, the broadcasters, to, to stick around and do a quick little two-minute hit that will be shown in some sports uh, highlight show later that night or something. Right. And, uh, and I was terrible in it. I was terrible. And I'm sure people back home would have thought, really? He's a professional? I can do that. Like, that was horrible. And yet, you know what? How, how I knew I was getting better? I decided not to tell the producer to do it again. I was going to be okay being lousy and let it go to air. And, and that was a, a really freeing moment for me. That was a really important day uh, in my broadcast career to get back on track because I was, I was okay with being lousy. And, and that was, uh, man, I, I'm actually getting chills thinking about that again because it was, it was an important thing for me to do. Yeah, it's nice to have those those moments where you kind of, uh, you know, I, I have sort of, I've had anticipatory anxiety. Um, yeah, you know, I used to have a anticipatory anxiety about flying. Um, okay. yeah. and, and um, but I would have it three days, all completely three days leading up to the every day, all day, oh. leading up to the flight. And as soon as I get on the flight, I was fine. Um, and often it's kind of taking that step or, you know, when you realize, you know, that, that, um, that it's not in your control or, or when you, when you advocate for yourself and, uh, it can be, it can be a really powerful tool for people. Oh boy. I'll say. And, mm. you know, I think also another important tool for me to start feeling better about myself is sharing the story about <clears throat> the last say two years hasn't been my favorite broadcasting uh, time in my life, but the last year has been much better, but sharing it with some of my coworkers and, and, uh, they they said that they could never notice that I was feeling this. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I looked uh, afraid. So, by the way, I stopped watching myself. I, I wouldn't record games anymore, wouldn't watch myself. And now in the last year, I've recorded almost every broadcast and watch almost all of them. And, and I'm happy to say that I feel good about myself again. So is that, is that a function of you feel like you're getting better? Is that a function of you having rational thoughts where you realize, you know, you, you've, cause I have to work on my thoughts all the time. I, I use CBT on my thoughts, you know, yeah. catching negative thoughts and, yeah. and uh, sort of um, just putting re- realistic thoughts in place. Um, so that the, what you're experiencing and being able to watch yourself again, that's more a function of, of kind of confidence building, I guess. Yeah. And, and that's exactly right. I had a great conversation with one of my great friends uh, from my broadcasting days, PJ Stock. And uh, he saw some, one of my videos and I was talking about how I'm doing. And, and he, he calls me and he goes, what's up, bud? Like, what's going on? And I said, well, I lost my confidence. And I had other thoughts, though, too, John. It was just more than just losing confidence. And so, but he said, what? You of all guys? And I said, yeah, just... It got me, but I think that um, those partially, though, I have to say, going back, some of those irrational thoughts that we can all get and that I've had that have interrupted my uh, well-being, um, some of those thoughts originally were actually rational because 
like when I was playing and now here as a broadcaster, it's kind of like, well, how long can you keep doing this? And how long can you stay at, uh, at that level? So mm-hmm. those, that's not really irrational, is it, right? That, that would be a thought that a lot of people would think, right? Like, how yeah. long can I stay at this level? And, and so the genesis of it isn't all that irrational. It's just where it led to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they do, they, they tend to spiral and, and, you know, anxiety can, can start on one thing. And then I I find it can also quite easily leap to something else. You know, Hmm. you get, you get kind of closure on one thing. It can just easily jump to something else. Yeah, definitely. Now, the good thing is we, you know, we've had many conversations. Like I know uh, I've talked to Ron McLean. He's, uh, admitted uh that he has some of his own issues that he deals with um and you know i I just think some of the things that when we all talk we learn so much about what we're going through or maybe uh in this case i was talking to ron mclean a number of years ago on bell let's talk and our good friend michael landsberg has done an amazing job with uh, his initiative and i love him so much and he's sick not sick not weak right there you go right but so Ron and I are chatting that day and uh, our conversation's over. And then he, he ends it all with one little line. He goes, inner peace, what a quest. And yeah. that always stayed with me, right? Like that, you know, that's beautiful, you know, and that's what we're all looking for. We're all looking for inner peace and uh, it is a quest. And also, I think, John, you might be aware, our daughter, Caitlin, again, and her husband, Hayden, they have a clothing company and it's called More Good Days. And right. it, it's all about, and I'm wearing actually one of their golf shirts. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about when she was in therapy for four years. So she's now 16 years old. She comes to us and she says, mom and dad, you know, we asked her how she's doing. She goes, you know, I'm having more good days than bad. And that was a big step for her after four years, right. That she's starting to have that. And so that was the genesis also of this clothing line that, um, you know, I think a lot of us can relate. Uh, whether you know you you need help uh, and or you recognize maybe without getting the help yet that what you're looking for is more good days also. Yeah, and I, I think something I, I came to realize more recently uh, because I find every time I kind of have a dip, you know, I have to learn something about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I can either suffer, which I do, uh, but you yeah. know, I try and learn something mm-hmm. um, at, at the time, and I've realized that uh, I am no longer seeking a cure. For anxiety. Right. Um, I'm seeking um, more, yeah, like you're saying, more good days than bad days. And and everybody, no matter who they are, have have both. But you know, my expectations were so high um, to, to 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 be to feel great all the time. Right. <laughs> and once I let that go, oh my gosh, it's such a relief. It, it is, isn't it? And yeah. uh, it's just it, it's so uh, unbelievable. And, and what we, we sort of do to ourselves. And like you said, our, our ex- expectations, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a good feeling knowing that, uh, uh, no matter what has happened, you, you can have a good day tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. I want to quickly, uh, before I let you go, I want to quickly double back, um, because it's, this is an interesting thing. And we, you touched on at the beginning about, you know, two grown men having a conversation yeah. about mental health. Um, you've been in sp- you're in sports for a long time from a young age. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you kind of, when you kind of realize there's something going on back there, uh, in, uh, 93, um, how did, did, did you, 
was there transparency at that point with you and your teammates? Because, you know, I, I know, you know, hockey has been through a few blips, you know, one of them is, uh, is, you know, the, the Sheldon Kennedy stuff. Um, the other thing is, um, is, is professional players in relation to homosexuality. Um, mental health is kind of in that grouping. Um, did you approach you know, did you discuss it with any, any other players? Did you know any of the players that, that, or coaches that, that kind of came out at the same time or how did that, did that evolve for you? Uh, well, uh, I'm only hesitating cause this could be a, a sort of a long winded answer because there's a lot of layers to that. Right. So <laughs> okay. at the point in 92, 93, <clears throat> when, uh, Barry introduced me to Tony Robbins, it was a really cool, uh, thing in that when he made the introduction, we were in Barry's coach's room and Barry also asked, uh, first of all, he asked if I'd be willing to work with Tony. And I said, of course I would. Like, I didn't like being lousy, right? I didn't like that where I was mentally. I didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what Barry asked me next kind of surprised me. And he said, would you mind if I sat in while you worked with Tony? Wow. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And I, I immediately said, yes, you can. Um, you know, I thought it was really cool that Barry would go way out on a limb back in 93 when sports psychologists weren't really around. And again, we're talking about men talking about how they're doing mentally. I thought that was pretty cool that he wants to understand uh, why the starting goalie for the Los Angeles Kings, maybe not the best team in the world, but maybe the most popular team in the world, why his goalie is having a really tough time. And so uh, it was cool. And uh, so I shared everything. I, I'm an open book, right? Like I didn't hide anything. When when Tony was asking me questions, I wasn't being deceitful. I wasn't hiding anything. I was just, again, because I didn't like it. I didn't like where I was. And so that, that was a real bonding moment for all of us. Uh, but I did not share any of that with my teammates. Um, it wasn't until the following season when we were in a bit of a slump and I was actually playing quite well. And uh, Barry asked our, our guys if it'd be okay if Tony came in and did a talk with all of us. Wow. And C- I thought cutting edge stuff, yeah. Really cutting edge, right? Yeah. And so Barry went through, or Tony went through his whole program and it was really cool. And he had us doing some things, sort of like team bonding sort of things. But I will tell you this, uh, I'm not uh, ashamed and I don't think I'm overstepping my boundaries by saying, there was not a lot of buy-in. There, it was yeah. not twenty-three grown men buying into this program yet. It was that. That's a long way down the road. So yeah. now, I think that uh, we're making tons of progress in our game, but it's not quite where it needs to be yet. And I've I've had this con- conversation with some players, in particular the older players, that they're still not entirely convinced that the team psychologist has their back. I think they, some older players still feel that perhaps what they share with the uh, psychologist might be used against them. So right. th- I think the younger players are more on board and you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing, I know a lot of organizations, by the way, all the organizations have three, four or five people working in that field, trying to help the, the players. And so I think the younger players in particular are more open to it. And, and that's a good thing. Yeah, that's what we, that's what, you know, you and I and, and anybody I know who's in advocacy is gunning for, 
is for yeah. the evolution is for the evolution of transparency That's exactly uh, and the evolution right. of, of feeling comfortable um yeah. it's I, you know i i say this and you know this if you know i say this to people um if if they're suffering from anxiety um the one of the greatest gifts you can give if you can muster up the courage is to tell somebody um yeah. I, I find the degree of separation is usually one um if i tell somebody i've got anxiety it's either them or somebody very close to them has the same thing yeah. And not only does that make me feel like, you know, I'm, you know, accomplishing something by, by relating, but it also takes a lot of, of heat off the person who also might be suffering. Oh, boy, you are so bang on there. So our history, my history will tell you that uh, since 2013, when Caitlin went very public with her story and we started to talk about what she's been going through and she's been an, an amazing advocate also, she's so well-spoken and articulate about uh, sharing what she's gone through. But uh, um, up until, I, I want to get just before the summer of 2019 and then in the last year when I started to talk about my stuff, yeah, uh, I had many men in the hockey world at the NHL level come up to me and share their family story or ask for help, ask what can we do? Our son or daughter might be feeling this. Um, they've shared with me that they're going through something that maybe even their wife or their partner doesn't even know. Yeah. And so it's been really uh, rewarding in that sense that people are people that were afraid to share are now becoming more open and, and sharing their stories. Mm -hmm. uh, and then since I've been sharing in the last uh, year and, uh, or so um, it's, it's, Almost every day, John, uh, I'm taking a little bit of break from society right now. I'm not really doing much in social media and stuff, <laughs> yep. sort of working on myself, but typically it's every single day, whether I'm in the local coffee shop, maybe it's a little bit harder now because I'm wearing a mask when I go yep. get my coffee, but yeah. I, people come up to me, they share uh, their story with me or their family story. I get a text, I get an email, I get something on social media sent to me and, and I find that to be really heartwarming. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And uh, it's, it's fabulous work you're doing. It's fabulous work your, your daughter's doing. Um, and, and her, 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 her um, it's called more. Yeah. More good days, clothing. more good days, clothing, more good days, clothing.com. Okay. Yeah. That's important to remember that <laughs> Kelly. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. Uh, what you do uh, is inspiring. And um, it, you know, having the profile you do, it helps a lot of people. Well, thanks, John. And, and same to you. Uh, I mean, uh, both with your profile and, uh, and what you're doing. And, you know, I, I just think that when, as a guest, I'm on a show with a person like you and I can just, just tell mm -hmm. uh, what it means to you. Yeah. I, it means everything. Thanks a lot, Kelly. Okay. Thanks, Take John. Care. Take care. Love you, bud. Love you too. Take care. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.